Hello, I'm Paul Moore here with Herman Even, and you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And right now I've got to ask you about the last time we were together where we were discussing can a woman have it all, mm. and we got a lot of feedback, and specifically the question is, Submission isn't what I think it is. Wow. Submission is such a, an interesting, interesting word, and that's the reason why we call it the S word. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pray for us before we go any further. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your grace. Thank you so much that you have, again, provided clarity. The problem is we don't pay attention to you. I pray that you would uh, honor our speech primarily because you're working through us in your precious name. Amen. And hallelujah. Okay, so submission isn't what I think it was. You know, we received an email along those lines. In fact, here it is. I would say wild thing because I had lost trust in the male gender entirely as a victim of abuse. Consequently, the key point in my marital maturity has been learning to trust that God is working through my husband in spite of his weakness. Although most of our decisions is joint, there have been times where the final decision is up to him. I know this can mean that I may suffer as a result of my husband's choice. It is also incumbent upon me to bless and honor my husband and son to the Lord, regardless of whether he is blessing and honoring me in the moment. My goal has been to put my trust in God and not give away to fear. So what do you think? Wow. In fact, uh, what is happening with that woman is exactly what God is wanting her to be thinking about, because submission is a very difficult term for most people to even wrap their arms around. Men and women both seem to conjure up bad things that it's a value statement. And I've heard you say time and time again, equal in value, different in design. Well, part of the problem is people think that you can make somebody submit. You can't do that. You cannot make somebody submit because submission is something that is done by the person. You can't make that person do that. Now, you can force them to do something. You can manipulate them to do something, but you can't actually cause a person to submit because the definition of submission is a voluntary act of the will to put yourself under another person. That is what submission really is. I cannot force you to submit. You can't force me to submit. I can't force my wife to submit. You can't force Francis to submit. That is a decision of each person. So that's a critical distinction of what's going on here. And the way this email is written, she's understanding that. The last two sentences, right? To honor my husband as unto the Lord, regardless of whether he is blessing and honoring me in the moment. My goal has been to put my trust in God and not give way to fear. Right. In fact, if you take the best, what I believe is the best passage in God's word related to submission. It's 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. And let me just read verses 1 and 2. Verse, For those of us who can, I hear the pages turning. <laughs> 1 Peter 3, 3 verses 1 through 6. And it specifically says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, those are the, only the first two verses. There is a lot more here. But this is a tremendous 
excellent passage on trying to help us understand what in the world submission is. Okay, and I'm getting all kinds of texts and emails saying me, so why does a man, whether he's godly or not, expect that a woman always has to submit? Well, that's that's a problem with a man. A man, if he's expecting a wife to submit, then he is focused on the wrong thing. No, I want what I want, and I want it now. That's, darn exa- it. that's exactly how most people think about it. And that's why submission gets abused and worked on improperly. If I am expecting my wife to submit, what is going to happen with me? We've talked about this in so many different shows. And let, let, me, let me bring it to you this way. Uh, if I have expectations of another person, what is likely to happen to me? Those expectations control my emotions. Yes. And if you don't meet my expectations, then I'm going to be mad at you because you're not doing something to please me. Right? That's how it typically works. And that's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that goes to the thing that we've talked about multiple times here recently. Yes, it's completely wrong because that's doing relationships the standard way. Okay, and that's where, for example, and I just want to throw this in, in the program material, you changed a central question from... Am I making it about me to how am I making it about me? That's right. We are ending up how because we always do. We do end up making life all about ourselves. So this whole discussion around submission, male or female, receiving or giving, I'm actually, how am I making it about me, not God? That's right. And what we do when we are talking about submission and we look at our wives in a situation like this and we're saying, I expect you to be submissive, then yes, if that were simply a statement that from the viewpoint of, well, God expects that, that's what would be great if you do, but I am to not be focused on Louis, who am I to focus on? I'm to focus on me. What is God asking of me? I am to be focused on whether I am loving her, whether she's submitting or not. I know, but it turns into a business deal, right? I can just hear the voices basically screaming, you want submission? Don't give abuse. That's exactly right. That's what most people end up thinking about. They end up driving it to the place where they are having, again, expectations out of the other person. And when that person doesn't do what they're asked to do, they get mad at them, which ends up driving a wedge into the relationship. I I just want to say it to you again. We're talking about a radically new relationship. We're not talking about relationships done the standard way. And the standard way that relationships are done is the business arrangement, which is return on investment, right? You're not wanting to help me make better what I've got. I am not interested in your relationships getting better. I'm interested in having a radically new relationship. And the radically new relationship no longer focuses on whether the other person is doing what they're supposed to do by God's direction or God's information. So let me tell you what I heard. Radically new relationship, meaning you want me not to throw out my stinking thinking. You want me to get rid of what I got and then just go get new stuff, new people, new things. Because that is how God does it, right? God causes us to be a new creature. He doesn't make the old sin nature better. He causes us to have a completely new creature, a completely new self. And that's what we want to be doing our relationships, a completely new way. You want me to get a new person or you want me to do something new with the same people? I want you as an individual who is a child of God 
I want you as an individual, a child of God, to start living a life that is pursuing the best for everybody around you and doing what God is asking you to do, whether anybody else is doing what God has asked them to do or not. That's the radically new relationship. So it's it's going back to the submissive or submission idea. It would be if Louie decides that she has no desire to do what God has asked her to do, which is to submit and respect me, I am therefore not relieved of what God has asked me to do. God has asked me to love her in those seven different ways. He's asked me to love her no matter what her behavior is. God is asking me to pursue her best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. No conditions based on how her behavior is going. So you're saying it starts with me no matter Mm -hmm. what. Yeah, and that's a radically new relationship. No longer am I requiring Louie to do what God is asking her to do. I'm only requiring me to do what God has asked me to do, and I hope, pray, encourage, sometimes exhort and rebuke in my relationships as I go forward. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great quotes for great relationships. If you use your past for illumination, your future is bright. If you use your past for contamination, your future is bleak. Virginia Satir. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and uh, what's that I keep forgetting? Oh, yes, your minds. It's hard to think well. Simple Tools for Brain Surgery gives you the right tools. Here's Worldview Academy's Bill Jack. When the delegates at the Constitutional Convention couldn't reach agreement, Ben Franklin stood and said, In the beginning of the contest with Britain, we had daily prayers in this room for divine protection. Our prayers were heard. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. We have been assured that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. He called the convention to prayer, and after they prayed, they reached agreement. The power of prayer, not the political savvy of delegates, brought the colonies together as one nation. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Great Relationships, Pursuing the Best in Work, in Life, in Love. Right before the break, Herman was basically quoting Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Mm. Herman, you said submission, that it starts with me, irregardless of the other person needing. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the other person is doing. The issue is, if you go to what the definition of submission is, it's an inner voluntary act of the will to put yourself under another person. Now, notice... 
that has no bearing on whether the other person is being a jerk, being forceful, being manipulative. It doesn't matter. Okay, but anytime you ask me to submit, I'll be honest, I get fearful. I get afraid. I want something in return. And before the break, you were telling me about First Peter 3. Well, that's. I'm glad you bring that back up because everyone is going to get fearful when they are deciding to put themselves under another person. Now, why? Because we are so tied into making life about ourselves that we fear that we are going to be abused. We fear that we're going to be treated incorrectly. We fear that things aren't going to go well for us, correct? Yes. And that is exactly what this passage is talking about. That's what's so amazing to me. This passage is just amazing to me. Okay, well, rationally, I can say, you know, fear. It's just an acronym, false expectations appearing real, you know, all these Mm -hmm. different things. But the truth is, I've got emotions in this. I am vested. So these are my emotions. You're going to tell me that they're not real? have no desire to tell you that your emotions are not real. Your emotions are always real. The difficulty is whether your emotions are based on fact or whether they're based on fiction. And just what you just got through saying, the little acronym for fear, shows you that your emotions too often are based on fiction. It's the reason why I like to use future expectations appearing real, because (laughs) if it's in the future, it's fiction. You don't know if it's going to show up that way or not. That's the reason why I like to be thinking about it. But let's go back to the passage. Here's, Here's, let me make it worse because this passage actually... Worse? I'm already afraid I'm not going to get what I want and I'm going to be abused. How much worse can it get? Well, it can get a lot worse because this passage is actually saying you are being abused. It is abuse that's going on, and you can't, can't see that by just reading verse 1, where I, where I just got through read, reading it to you. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, why, why would I say this passage is actually about the potential of being abused already? All you need to do is go back into chapter 2. And in chapter two, I'll just do a quick paraphrase of where where you start. It starts back in about verse 15, verse 13, somewhere around there. And it's saying, uh, slaves, if you have a master that's unreasonable, I want you to submit to him anyway. (laughs) What? Really? And then it goes on and says, basically, if you do something wrong and you get punished for it, there's no glory in that. That's not commendable, but if you do something right and you get punished for it, then that is very commendable because that is just like Jesus Christ. And it goes into and gives you the description of what happened with Jesus Christ on the cross in the latter part of of chapter 2, starting about verse 20 or so, or 22, saying he was reviled, spit upon, but he trusted the Father to take care of him. He didn't call in the angels to take care of him. He just went through it. Now, what in the world is that all talking about? Here's what it's talking about. Wives, likewise. Likewise, what? Likewise, what? When you are treated unjustly, when you are suffering unjustly, therefore, this whole context is about abuse. Just like Jesus Christ was abused, he was treated improperly. He was suffering unjustly. Wives, likewise, when you suffer unjustly, be submissive anyway. That's an amazing thought. 
this is exactly how God is saying it. And what we go on to see is the way that a wife is to act. And then verse 7, notice here's something that's very important that we don't normally talk about. Verse 7, husbands likewise. Likewise what? When you are treated and suffering unjustly. So all of this is a situation saying women, wives in particular, when you're treated unjustly, when you're suffering unjustly, be submissive to your own husbands. Wow. Wow. This isn't just saying, just go be submissive. This is putting it in the worst context, meaning when you are treated unjustly, I want you to do this. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? That's vastly different than what most people might read into this, because it just seems to be a comment on what a wife is to do. No, it's a comment on how a wife is to act when she's being treated unjustly, even abused. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of hope there. But there's a lot of hope if you go on and read the rest of the passage. Well, if God loves me, why is he permitting this, especially if Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has paid for it all and is authoritative the end word? Because God is wanting you to do something that's critical. And it goes back to the example that we see in chapter 2. And I'll read for you what God is asking a wife to do. But what is it that Jesus trusted in to take care of him? The Father. It specifically says that in that passage. Who trusted the Father. Now let's follow that example right here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I read to you verses 1 and 2. And then it goes on and, and gives you an a picture of what submission looks like. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be a hidden person of the heart. What in the world does that mean? It means that submission is an internal thing, not an external thing. It means it's just like that Dennis the Menace cartoon. If you remember, <laughs> I've said this so many times, the Dennis Menace cartoon is so great. It shows Dennis the Menace uh, sitting in a chair, faced into the corner, and the caption underneath it says, I may be sitting down in the corner, but I'm standing up in my heart. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> and this particular passage is saying, if Dennis the Menace was considered submissive, he's not submissive at all in that type of a situation. Submissive is an internal situation here. So God is specifically saying this. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Don't let your focus be on what's on the outside, be focused on the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. This is the example of what submission is. Okay, so in the submission, because I'm starting to think about it the wrong way, and there's clearly a path I can go, I can either be blindly obedient, or I can be obedient with the understanding that like it says in Job, I permitted all these things to happen that he might know me better. Right. That we are conformed to the image of Christ if we are obedient and trust God. Right. And that's where we end up finding how a woman, how a wife in this particular passage is therefore doing exactly the same thing as Jesus Christ did. Because, listen to this, for verse 5, for in this manner... In former times, the holy women who what? 
trusted in God also adorned themselves. What is this saying? It's simply saying these women that are being asked to do this, who are suffering unjustly, they're being asked to act just like Jesus Christ, who trusted the Father, verse 5, for in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves, meaning the internal beauty, the gentle and quiet spirit, submitting to their husbands anyway, just like Jesus submitted to the Father. So if a woman is willing to do this passage, trust God as the who said so, not themselves, trust God as the who said so, they're adorning themselves with submission, even in those times when they are being treated unjustly. And therefore, it goes on to say, being submissive to their own husbands, trusting God and being submissive to your own husbands. That is a critical, critical distinction. Now, verse six gives us the great example. Verse six gives us the great example that we can come to right after the break. We have to trust God. There really is no other option, and we'll be back right after this. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Isaiah 58, verse 10. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Not once have I said great relationships, gr8relationships.com. That's the website. Glad you're back. And I'm just delaying because I'm back to fear. We were talking about that <laughs> Second Peter chapter and Sarah, and it scares me. Mm-hmm. I want what I want, and I'm afraid if I don't stick up for myself, I'm going to suffer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be abused, and I'm not going to get what I want, and who's going to take care of me? And then there we are in this passage just talking about like Sarah. Yeah. In fact, what happens? Why are we so fearful? We're fearful because we're not going to be getting things the way, getting a life to go the way we want it to go. We're fearful when we don't get our way. That's what drives the fear. Instead, our fear ought to be driven by something totally different. Our fear ought to be driven by, am I or am I not doing what God asked me to do? 
That's what our fear needs to be driven by. Oh, man, I'm not doing what God asked me to do versus, oh, I'm not getting my way. There's a vast difference there. And what we need to be paying attention to is the latter fear, which is, I'm fearing that I'm not doing what God asked me to do. So is it because Jesus suffered that I have to suffer? Well, without a doubt, when you look at First and Second Peter, you're going to see all of those two books are focused on suffering. Yes, when I am a Christian, I am participating in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. That's what makes me more like him. And the tools that God uses, suffering is one of the key tools that God uses on us to cause us to be what? Dependent on him. And that's what this is all about, trusting him. What is our fundamental decision in life? (laughs) To trust God or trust something other than God. And when we're faced with something this strong in people's minds, submission, when we're faced with the idea of submission, we are not willing to go there because we have no desire to have life be done other than the way we want it done. Yeah, we're constantly asking a person around uh, us to submit instead of thinking, am I submitting? That's, that's the real thought that we need to be having. Yes, a woman may have a husband that is a non-believer treating her very poorly. Uh, a man may have a boss that is treating him very poorly. The same answer needs to be coming from the man that's being treated poorly and the wife that's being treated poorly. She is still asked to submit. He is still asked to submit and do life according to the way God has asked them to do it. And this is crazy. We've been talking for a half hour and we're only talking about one level. We haven't even gotten into how children perceive this or how it affects anyone else. So I guess I would ask you, what one thing do you want me to take away? The key thing is that submission can't be forced. That's the key thing. Submission is an inner voluntary act of the will. That's absolutely crucial for us to get that into our minds. I cannot be forced to submit. And God is asking me to make that decision to trust him. Why does he want us to submit? He wants us to submit so that we trust him, to put our lives in his hands as opposed in our own hands. So the key thing, the definition of submission, an inner voluntary act of the will, that's the key thing. Okay, and I just want to add this to it. When we're looking at the submission of men and women, it's not a value statement. It's never a value statement. It always fits that little statement that we've talked about so many times. Equal in value, different in design and role. And that is part of the issue why this passage in First Peter chapter 3 is talking about it. It's talking about it from the viewpoint that a man has a role, a woman has a role. In the situation where we have a wife being treated unjustly, it, it, the implication is the man is the authority in charge. Any authority can misuse its authority. It's only a channel of God's authority. A husband that is been given the head of the house role can abuse that, and therefore a wife may be treated uh, improperly. And at the same time, an employer, a master, has been given authority, and he can abuse that authority by treating employers improperly. Neither one of those situations 
are being excused to say, well, you just don't have to submit. No, God is asking you to submit to trust him. That's the whole idea behind submission, trusting God. So if you want a second big point, submission is all about trusting God to take care of you, not the person that's over you. That's the key issue for us to pay attention to here. Wow, you know how when they say sometimes what you say is a mouthful? You've certainly given me a mindful. Mm. And it makes sense. And I'm sitting here right in front of you getting to ask the questions. And I know five minutes from now, I'm going to forget. I'm going to get confused. So I need to remember that great relationships, that's grnumulaterelationships.com is the website. What chapter do I want to look at? You want to look at chapter nine, because that whole chapter is all about the two elements of submission. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in in coming shows. There's two elements about submission. One is mutual submission, and the other is all about authority and submission. So there you go, chapter nine, and we have to remember there were eight chapters that came before (laughs) that help in the understanding, right? Bless God that he loves us and we get a lifetime and we get all of eternity with him if we make that choice. I invite you to a relationship with Jesus Christ if you don't have one, and I invite you to our website, greatrelationships.com. That's grnumeratrelationships.com. Until next time, God bless you and keep you. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.